listening to the podcast Advertising Playbook, your resource to better understand and execute successful podcast ad campaigns. Hello and welcome to the podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood, and I am joined today by David Dahl. He is the Chief Operating Officer at Tanasi. Welcome to the program, David. Thank you. Good morning. So, David, I'm excited to have you on the show because there are a few things about Tanasi that are different than many other companies. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization? Sure. Uh, So the Tanasi product line was launched in late 2019. The formula, which is a CBD plus CBDA formula, was actually discovered at Middle Tennessee State University. Uh, the team of biologists and chemists were just studying the hemp plant in general, actually did not have any intent on developing a product, but uncovered this unique formula that at a specific ratio was almost three times more effective than CBD alone at addressing inflammation. So being that inflammation is the root of all evil, if you will, and the aches and pains, um, the recognition that this particular formula was so effective they decided to launch a product line. And uh, so we've been you know, working to build out the different types of products as well as get the word out on, on why it's a little bit different and why it's better than uh, the majority of the products on the market. Wow. So I feel like when I think about CBD products, I think of them to address things like anxiety and sleep disorders and maybe relaxation. I don't necessarily ever think of them as being a product that helps fight inflammation. So is that where your product is different than others? Or do you also have those calming effects as well? All right. So very interesting. So the combination of CBD plus CBDA does elevate the inflammation, the benefits around reducing that. But both the CBD molecule and the CBDA also have other impacts on your, what's called the endocannabinoid system. So they go in and yeah, the different things that help provide a sense of calm. That's what a lot of people from the anxiety perspective, just to generate a sense of calm, which, and then from a sleep perspective, both a calming of the mind and also the relief from pain, those two together really help people get a, a better night's sleep. That's so, so interesting. It's funny, when we first started developing our messaging and our marketing activities, one of the things that was, was like a joke in our agency we were working with at the time was like, hey, I've heard it's done everything under the sun. And they even pitched a TV ad where it was like, oh, we'll rub some on the squeaky door or something. It didn't round <laughs> out how it, it fixed everything. And we're like, yeah, it is interesting that there's so many benefits that have been found and then been discuss that sometimes it's almost better to just draw it in a little bit and, and focus on a few areas. So it's been an interesting journey. Yeah, that, that is fascinating. So now your product is CBD-based and not THC-based, which THC is the element that makes you high or gets you intoxicated. And so your product does not have THC in it. It's just CBD. Correct. We There's I would say if we've looked at our entire product line, I don't think anything has, when we first started, there were trace amounts of THC because that just came with the extract, if you will, but it was always 0.3% or less. And then we just decided, hey, let's go the full route and just eliminate even the little 
natural amount of THC that's found in uh, the hemp plant. So for us, there there is a, a lot of, I won't say confusion in the market, but there's a lot of, I guess, because there's so much that's sold out there on the THC side and what's called Delta 8 or, or Delta 9 that are the intoxicating cannabinoids or the intoxicating compounds of the the hemp plant. But we've decided to stay very focused on just the the health and uh, wellness part of the plant and not go into the intoxicating side of things. Interesting. So I think one of the the facts that I find really fascinating is that if you have any association with hemp at all, it really limits the places where you're allowed to advertise. And as you mentioned, it seems like the use of CBD has become so widespread I mean, and even the use of THC has become so much more widespread than it ever used to be, gosh, 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, probably. But there still are so many constraints on where a product like yours can advertise. Has that been a challenge for you? Yeah, definitely. Especially when we first started and we started trying to advertise in early 2020, when we went to Google or we went to Facebook, any mention of CBD at all, it was immediately removed and flagged. So trying to go in and it's like, all right, no, there's CBD that's non-intoxicating. And then they're like, well, that's just got to be called hip. And so really going in and, and saying, well, that's not really true. It's not the CBD part that's getting you high. It's the THC part. But there were so many people that were trying to disguise their intoxicating products mm-hmm. under a CBD lab- label that all of the We'll say automated reviews, everything that Google and, and Facebook have to look at your pictures, to look at your words. Yeah, so anything that showed up CBD automatically flagged. So then you could go in and work with, I guess, an understanding of what they technically allowed. And you could build advertising campaigns, build creatives that were a hundred percent set in their guidelines. But for whatever reason, there's some AI interpretation or algorithmic interpretation that would say that's wrong and flag it. So then you have to go in and file an appeal to say there's nothing wrong with this. Oh my goodness. So it's this constant process of going round and round to try to get your advertisements live and then in front of the right people that ultimately that effort, we realized that return on ad spend just wasn't there because it Mm -hmm. takes so much man hours so many man hours just to get those things out there that before long, it it was just a a never ending battle. So yeah, um, yeah. keep coming back and they keep saying, oh, now you can do this. Now you can do that. Even Facebook and Google, both they say, hey, you can go through an accreditation program that makes you a approved vendor, but still you can go through that. You still get all your uh, greens flagged. So they just think, you know, CBD is so evil. Because it is, I don't know if there's just a lot of bad players out there that are trying to disguise their products and, and then sell the ones that are intoxicating. Regardless, it's a, a very big challenge that the industry faces. And a lot of people really just can't survive if, if they keep trying to do those traditional e-commerce advertising methods. Yeah, absolutely. So we have you on the show today because you have discovered podcast advertising and the successes that you can find with podcast advertising. Obviously, one of the great parts about podcast ads is that there isn't all of 
those regulations around who can and can't advertise. So tell us a little bit about how you discovered podcast advertising. Like I said, we've gone through and trying a, a, a wide variety of activities to get the name out there. Again, we're, we're so confident that if somebody tries our products, that they're going to come back. And uh, so we're like, got to find a way to get the word out there. And I think actually, I think our CEO, Jeff Heron, was one that said, hey, podcasts, you know, these, it seems to be available. I know I listen to podcasts. My wife listens to podcasts. So we're like, hey, they are growing. So let's give it a try. And and reaching out at first, we were talking to some other larger companies and I go, like, oh, you have to go in and spend a hundred thousand dollars. You know, they mm-hmm. were saying you really needed a, a huge budget. Mm-hmm. They're like, you need to go in. If you don't spend enough money, you're not gonna find the specific demographics that work. You're not gonna find the show categories that work. Well, we felt going in that we had at least learned a lot about our demographic. We had at least learned what people were interested in. So we're like, hey, I feel, and then talking to True Native and, and the team, they're like, don't think you need to go that large. You can do a, a little bit more realistic budget. And we're able to go in and pick, I think we started with five or six different shows of varying sizes just to see what what connected and, and what would work. Yeah. You brought up so many great points there. And I think the first is how much you need to spend to make podcast advertising successful. There are a lot of companies out there who say you do need to start with $100,000. I feel like I'm not sure where exactly as an industry we came up with that as being a threshold. I think really what those agencies mean to say is, You need to spend $100,000 for us to be successful, not necessarily you. (laughs) But yeah, and I will say, and I do agree that you have to make a big enough investment so that you can see what is working and what is not working. And we'll have advertisers that come to us and say, oh, we've got a $1,000 budget. And that isn't enough, right? You do need to have a bit of a budget in order to see the effects of a campaign. But it seems to me the way you did it is really perfect because you were able to come in at a relatively low investment level, but you still were able to purchase multiple shows so you could see the differences in which podcasts perform well and which ones didn't. Can you tell us a little bit about how you went about selecting the podcast that you did to advertise with? So we, we've got an interesting demographic and you know, our, our customer base will we'll have a lot of users that are 25 to 35 just because mm-hmm. they're more familiar with CBD. There's no stigmatism. You know, they will dive right in. We're like, hey, we're stressed, what have you. Maybe the athletes that like recovery aspects of uh, the inflammation. At the same time, on the upper end, 55 to 65, we've got a lot of uh, customers there because as we get older, like I know a lot of things start to hurt. And, Where do uh, all these aches and pains come from? I don't get it. Just wake up in the morning injured. So uh, This is not fun. So, you know, we do know that it resonates with that age group as well. We do skew slightly more female than male, but mm-hmm. you know, not significantly. So in talking to Audrey, she was like, hey, and I don't know why, maybe because like, Everybody listens to true crime, but at first we're like, oh, we shouldn't think about true crime. Now I know that's such a huge audience. It's not really probably zeroed in on anything other than maybe women, but, uh, so 
we did go through and probably totally at the direction of Audrey helped break down something in health and wellness, something golf related. Maybe that was me. I'm a, a big golfer. So I'm thinking, hey, this will help a lot of golfers. Uh-huh. So uh, there's a good golf podcast. And then there were a number of sober living related podcasts. And actually, I'm not sure who came up with that idea, which ended up being a very good one. But you know, it did. we did try to span a number of categories and then deviate between a few of the age groups. So yeah. I think it was like six different ones. And this was Q4 2022. And for e-commerce, that's the, we call it the Super Bowl. And you have Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So if you can get new traffic there in October and you're able to acquire more email addresses and leads, then when you're running your big promos late in November, early December, it really elevates and increases your Q4 performance. So we launched in, I think, yeah, October mm-hmm. and had a, a really good three months there. And at the end, we're able to step back. And for us, again, we're a small company. So going in and saying, here's how much budget we have. We had to really take some time to analyze the results. And so for us, our products are some that it's probably a 30 day window until they've run out of their product and they're like, Ooh, I want to buy it again. So okay. you know, it's, it's at least 30 days before they come back. And so we had to just wait and, and, and look over the next several months to see how many return visitors we got that would then help us calculate the true return on ad spend. So it was a, a, a nice little, you know, we kind of looked at it for six months and we're like, yes, this definitely worked for us. And then we came back around and we were in October, 2023, ready to do it again. And now we've decided, Hey, we, we just need to run these all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of just the, the main promotional time of the season, let's try to keep a, a little bit more even steady stream of shows. Right. Right. Like an always on approach. And then hopefully what our goal will be this year. So the you know, first six that we ran, we realized that the sober living category was very effective. So mm-hmm. we had two, and I, I think the messaging there is all about there's anxiety and trouble sleeping. And so this really resonates with individuals that are just like, All right, I'm going to either take a break from alcohol or ones that are even struggling maybe with an addiction, but it did resonate. And so now it was, let's bring in a, another show in that same category. And I think this year we're going to also sprinkle on some new ones because we do want to scale. We do want to find other segments or other categories that we can put money into so that we can eventually continue to keep growing our leads and sales. Yeah, that's terrific. So quick question I have is I always think of health and fitness products as being more Q1 focused and less Q4 focused. So it sounds like you have seen that Q4 time period is just as important, if not more important, even as a health and wellness company than that Q1 time. And or is it even Obviously, the two are are linked. So is it getting the message out in Q4 that can do some great promotions? People are looking for opportunities, but then that's going to bleed into Q1 as well as people are thinking about healthy living options. It really, 
Q1 probably for health and wellness is sort of, yeah, January ultimately <laughs> is so important in, in the health and wellness, but the Q4 really just for any direct to consumer brand and business, that's, it's just where everybody like, Ooh, I'm going online. I'm going to buy my Christmas mm-hmm. presents. I'm looking for deals and Amazon and all these other companies have probably just built up the whole notion that we got to go online and, and buy during this period. So it does give you a, a, a much larger group of people online looking to purchase. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're there, they're in a purchasing mood. So you just want to make sure you're in front of them so that they go to you instead of your competitor. And your company is direct to consumer e-commerce solely, right? You're not in any retail locations. Correct. We have a partner that is near Middle Tennessee State University. So one local store, mm-hmm. uh, but we're yeah, 9% uh, direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. We do, I will say in 2024, I think we're going to do a little bit more outreach effort to wellness physicians and actual medical practitioners to try to have them retain some of the products in their shops or and hopefully then to recommend it. But you know, mm-hmm. so far, what we have been focused on has been direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. Great. So what I love that you did is that you ran a campaign that was very well thought through and you looked at that campaign and then instead of turning right around and saying, I'm just going to book something else, you really gave it the time to mature so that you could see what your your return was on your ad spend, but also what kind of customer base were you going to get out of your campaigns. I think that is so valuable. I'm curious, how did you track the results from your podcast ad campaign? So actually in 2022, our primary method was we provide coupon codes mm-hmm. for the hosts and the host reads would provide the coupon code. So then our system, obviously we see individuals using that coupon code and then we have systems in place that we can go in and say, Hey, if this person, if their first purchase was using one of these coupon codes, tell us how much they purchase lifetime. So you go in and say, all right, the lifetime value of that customer that we acquired through the podcast and, and get that number. This year with the shows that we're running, there's even better analytics on the Spotify dashboard that you mm-hmm. all provided. So mm-hmm. I think three of the four shows were on Spotify. And so then we were able to put a, a pixel on our website so that when there was any visit from somebody that had downloaded the show that would show up on the dashboard. And to be honest, we realized we probably weren't capturing all of the sales in 2022 right. because you, you do have people that listen to the show and they're like, Ooh, I want to go do that. And then uh, I forgot the, or we may be running a promo and during that promo, Sometimes we don't allow coupon codes to be used because it may be like a 30% off promo. And the last thing you want to do is add on another 25. So sometimes that's reserved. But with the analytics from Spotify, you could really see everybody that came in and purchased, not just the ones that used the the coupon. So then you can cross-reference. So actually turned out that we were getting an even better return on our investment, I think, than we realized the first year. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. 
I think Spotify ad analytics is really a great tool and, and any of those attribution tracking tools where you're able to see who has listened to the podcast and then who comes and makes a purchasing decision. Because as you said, those promo codes are so valuable, but not 100% of your customers are going to use those or remember or, you know, what have you. So I'm, I'm so glad you guys are using that. Do you feel like there were any challenges that you have faced with podcast advertising and maybe how that stacks up to other forms of advertising? Really, I guess it's the same in that if you pick the wrong show, mm -hmm. a lot of times it comes in and, oh, wow, that was just a dud. So you, you will get some of those. So it's like, wow, I got like hardly any sales. You'd think it'd be a little bit better. So just, I think that's probably the only one that I could think of is just picking the wrong show and. But it's advertising for you. You can't bat, uh, you know, a thousand percent. So it's yeah, if you can. Yeah, it's true. I love that you were able to identify those sober living shows. And I think it makes so much sense with your products. I'm curious, were there other elements? I know you mentioned a golf show, like health, healthy living. Uh, were there other elements you feel like that went into why maybe some podcast works and others didn't? Was it the ad read where... Maybe the host did a better ad read, or do you feel like it was just the connection with the audience? What did you see there? I guess still learning the podcast side of things, but sure. um, to me, I think probably went down to the ad reads and the mm -hmm. hosts. I mean, and one of the, the biggest things with podcast advertising, and you think about with wellness products, something like this, where people are like, what is CBD? And it's almost like you, you need to be convinced and you need a little bit of validation. Therefore, to me, it's almost like podcasting is perfect sense. These people are listening to individuals a lot of times for their advice, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in the sober living, they're looking to say, hey, help me get through this. How do I get through it? And therefore, if they go in and they're reading a, a spot that says, hey, this is a great product and it really resonates, then to me, it's going to be a home run. And it'll really have an impact if you know, it's something where it sounds like, oh yeah, those are our sponsors and um, I, I just got to read this real quick. Then I, I don't think that's going to convince somebody to give CBD a try. So it's, right. I think that's probably a big differentiator. Yeah. It's so interesting with host read ads because some hosts do such a nice job with them and others don't do as good a job. And we really try to coach our hosts to get them to create those kind of home run ads. But I also think a lot of it do does really depend on whether or not that product does resonate with the host, right? Because you can't necessarily expect a host to love all of the products that they advertise. So that's why it is so important. And we always really encourage the advertiser and the host to say, hey, is there a fit here? Because if the host is like, I guess I'll advertise that product, like it's really going to come out in their ad read. They have to actually really like the product. And and I know you did sample products out to the host as well, which I, I think is an yes. important part. Tell me what your experience was with that. Yeah, we, we want to give and send a lot of product to them. It's like, okay, so we'll have tinctures, which are like an, an oil-based product that goes under your tongue. That's a fast absorbing one. And we have soft gels and we have topicals that you can, you know, rebel external sore body parts or whatever. So flooding them with a bunch of different products to try because, you know, it may just be like, Hey, they, we don't like the taste of the tincture 
or maybe I don't like to swallow a soft gel and then they find a gummy and like, oh, this is gummy. That's the easiest one, you know? So by providing them with multiple choice products, they can find one that works for them. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's also important to provide them instructions on, hey, here's the best way to use this. And then hopefully the messaging around the product that you're telling them also is a very similar one that they can easily then project to their listener base. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that, that you are giving them multiple products because I do think that happens often with companies where it's like, hey, you know, you've got several different products and why not just send the host a few different because maybe one of them is going to resonate more with that host than another. And ideally, you want the host to really be all in on the product. So I think that's super important. I love that you did that. I know that we have discussed that there have been limitations to how much advertising you can do and podcasts have been a good option. Are you doing other forms of advertising? And do you feel like you've been able to leverage podcast advertising with those other forms to create an overall, maybe more powerful marketing mix? What is your approach, Ben? I would say, you know, we were doing maybe some Facebook last year, but I mean, really right now we've been pretty much been focused on the podcast and then what we'd call affiliate marketing, where we can pay like a, a WebMD or somebody like that. So for us, you know, I, I guess there you can highlight the different places that your products have been mentioned. But mm-hmm. our biggest thing is driving people to our website. And once they get to our website, if we know who they are, then our most effective marketing is our email. We have a very, we'll say, sophisticated system, CRM system, where once we get an email address, we can send out what's called a welcome series. And so mm-hmm. it's like, just introduce ourselves. And then the three email series, introducing the formula, the science behind it and all that. So anything we can do to get people into, we'll say the top of the funnel for our whole process is important. So that's to us, the podcast is the way to get them to the site, which then allows us to initiate all the other communication. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so glad that you were able to find podcast advertising. It sounds like it's been a really great vehicle for you. And thank you for coming on the show and just sharing your experience because I know that there are other brands and other companies out there who, you know, it is a little bit different. And I think we're so used to in advertising, just going onto a platform and saying, hey, I want X, Y, and Z. Like, here's my credit card done, you know, and with podcasting, there is a level of finesse, I think, as you've mentioned, you know, selecting those right podcasts, selecting the right spending level, coming up with the right calls to action and product samples, you know, it it can be a multi-layered strategy that you need to implement. But ultimately, it sounds like it's been really effective for you. And and I think one of the powers of podcast advertising is having these ambassadors out there as hosts talking about your products. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Well, thank you for having me and uh, really enjoyed the podcast and learning the the ropes, if you will, with the two native team. So thank you. And we appreciate the help and and the guidance there and enjoyed the conversation this morning. Thank you. And if people want to reach out to you, where is a good place for them to find you? 
best, you know, tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I.com. And come visit us and we'd, we'd love the opportunity to have you try some of our products. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. If you haven't had a chance to go on over to YouTube and check out our videos there, please go over to YouTube and we will see you again for another episode. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Podcast to Advertising Playbook, your source to a better understanding of the podcast to advertising industry. 